is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. That, of course, is not the voice of the great one, Mark Levin. It's the semi-good one, the okay one, Dan Bongino, the... Handy-dandy relief pitcher coming in for Mark tonight. Uh, I've got so much to discuss tonight. I've been writing it down and trying to keep it in bullet points today, folks, because I'm really stoked about doing the show. Now, let me just lay out for you what we're going to do today. You're not going to be able to turn the radio off. You're not going to want to. If you leave your car, put it on the Mark Levin Show app, whatever. Don't miss a minute of this. Because I'm going to walk you through tonight what you haven't yet heard, I think, in totality. You've probably heard snippets of the Trump-Russia fairy tale X-Files collusion story. You've probably heard snippets of Obamagate, the spying scandal. You've probably heard snippets of Uranium One and the Mike Flynn targeting witch hunt. You've probably heard all of this, but I'm not sure you've had it put together for you in a coherent and it as a coherent and coherent as possible excuse me narrative I'm trying to it's funny trying to say coherent incoherently I'm gonna make this make sense for you and in doing it I'm gonna keep it at 30,000 feet at times so you understand the larger story and sometimes I'm gonna get down to the to use the buzzword granular everybody loves granular it sounds so smart I'm gonna get down to the granular details to back up what I'm telling you. And I think by the time we're done with this show, if you're listening, you're going to come to the same conclusion I did as a former federal agent, that there is absolutely no question we are staring down the barrel of the most consequential scandal, political scandal, in the history of the United States. Here's the 30,000-view thesis we're going to be operating with uh, for the entire show today. Obama spied on Trump. His team did spy on Trump. Now, keep in mind, none of that's in dispute. I'm going to explain to you why and how and some possible motivations for it. Now, I'm going to break it down for you because this is a very complicated case. But the assertion I just made, the 30,000-view assertion I just made, why I'm doing this is not complicated. Never forget during the course of this show, the Obama team spied on the Trump team and everything I'm telling you is an explanation of why, motive, and how. Because people get confused, understandably. There's so much going on and so many sick Democratic efforts. I mean, really, I, I'm not knocking all the Democrat voters. I get it. There are good patriotic Americans who just don't vote with us. That's fine. But the, the, the slobs up on the Hill in the Democrat Party who are now, in effect, police state supporters, history is going to judge you harshly especially Adam Schiff, Shifty, this lying, manipulative sleazeball who at every opportunity goes out and tries to lie to the American people to manipulate them to prevent you from hearing the truth that is the Obamagate scandal. Let's start with, shall we say, part one. The sting, the setup. Folks, the Obama team, again, spied on Trump. This was a setup the entire time. 
Now, you may say, it was a setup. Wow. Why would you say that? Would you say something like that without evidence? Of course I wouldn't. Wouldn't go on Mark's show and say something like that without producing some evidence that it's very well likely this happened. Folks, don't you find it a little odd during this investigation, all the information that's come forward about these people who seem to be randomly approaching the Trump team during the course of the campaign during 2016 and approaching members of the Trump team? Folks, you think this is an accident? You know, let me be clear what I mean by this when I call this the sting, the setup. You know, if you were... Say you're sitting in your house, whatever I'm doing the show for my home studio, and some dude knocks on your door and says, hey, listen, you know, we're thinking about robbing a bank. Would you like to join us? You'd be like, wait, what? Are you crazy? What are you talking about? Say same guy shows up a week later. He winds up showing up at the pool you go to. He winds up showing up at the gym, and he keeps asking you if you're interested in robbing a bank. You kind of think something's up there? You never met this guy before. But all of a sudden, he's approaching you in some kind of operation to get you involved in robbing a bank. Does it make you think maybe this is a case of me being set up? Now, most logical people, you'd probably call the cops. But if you didn't, you'd probably figure somebody was trying to set you up because you've never met this guy. Why do these random people, you ever asked yourself this, keep approaching members of the foreign policy Trump team throughout 2016? Why? And how is it that all of these people, as they approach the Trump team, their information somehow makes it back to Fusion GPS, which is working for Hillary? (gasps) Why? How does that happen? How are these seemingly disconnected? I'm going to give you the names in a minute. Now, let me be clear on this before we start. I'm not suggesting that the people I'm going to mention even know that they are working with or for Fusion GPS, which is working for Hillary Clinton, as they're approaching the Trump team. They may be, you know, dupes in this entire thing. But I'm going to tell you the names because the names are out there in the public sphere and have been reported on. And these are people who have approached the Trump team or have been involved with the Trump team and their information has subsequently wound up back with Fusion GPS. Doesn't that make you ask very simple questions like how? Folks, put yourself for a second in the Trump team's shoes. You have a bunch of foreign policy advisors, a couple people. They're being approached by people constantly about information, or they're having conversations with people, and those conversations are making it back to an outlet being paid by Hillary Clinton to gather information on Trump. Are, are you, is this making sense? Do you get what I'm saying? People are approaching the Trump team, either initiating conversations about bad things, or are alleged to have heard conversations about bad things from the Trump team, and said information is now making its way back to an outfit working for Hillary Clinton. This happened. Now, pulling it out to 30,000 feet so I don't lose you, this is the sting. This is the setup. Now, again, I know the loony liberals listening to this, Whenever, keep in mind, whenever the liberals start calling you a conspiracy theorist, that usually means you're over the target. Now, I'm going to give you the names, 
And I'm going to tell you the information you can Google yourself that's already out there in the press that this stuff actually happened. So when your loony, lunatic, liberal friends tell you, that's just a conspiracy theory, then you can just Google it yourself and say, really? Well, this was reported in the media months ago. Which part of this are you disputing? Matter of fact, one of the stories was reported by the New York Times. Are they conspiracy theorists too? Because they pulled this on Mark, by the way. Mark, you know, the host of the show, the Mark Levin show. They <laughs> say, they tried this on him, the the goofy guy at CNN. What's his name? Stelter. You know, Mark quoted a bunch of Washington Post and New York Times articles. They called Mark a conspiracy theorist. He was citing the New York Times. So be prepared for that when you do this. But keep the uh, Google button ready, okay? So remember the golden shower story? It's a family-friendly show. We're not going to go into details. We don't even need to describe what that is. Most of you are familiar with it, but... Bottom line is it was a nonsensical, ridiculous, absurd story about Donald Trump's behavior supposedly in a hotel room overseas in Moscow with some uh, prostitutes. The story's false. It's it's nonsense. It's not true. It's it's crap. I mean, there's, there's no easy bird for it. It's garbage. Where do you think that story came from? So as been reported many times in, in media outlets in the past, it's supposed to have come from a guy named Sergei Milion. Milion supposedly told people who told people about the story, and after second, as say, the phone game, second or two or three times removed, this wound up making it back to Christopher, Christopher Steele, a British agent who was working for Fusion GPS to accumulate information on Trump. So there are allegations out there that the story originated with Milion. It's interesting because Milion, again, this has also been reported, is stated to have had contacts with George Papadopoulos, who is a backbencher, um, third-rate uh, pseudo-foreign policy advisor on the Trump team. This guy is not some key player, despite the fact that the Democrats want him to be. Now, granted, this is one name of a couple I'm going to give you. This is the weakest link in this. I'm going to be candid about that up front. But it's interesting that Milion has, in fact, had contact with people who have had contact with Fusion GPS. Supposedly, the story about the golden shower episode with uh, Donald Trump originated with him. Through other people, makes it back to Steele. And he's also alleged to have had contacts with George Papadopoulos, a backbencher, on the Trump campaign. Why did he have those contacts? How did that happen? If he had those contacts, how is it that the information through the phone game made it back to Fusion GPS who was working for Hillary? How is that? Is this all by chance? Maybe. But that's just one. And I gave you the weakest one first. There are two more people here. Remember, this is part one here. We're trying to set up the fact that the Obama team spied on Trump, and that this was a setup. So this is the setup. This is the sting. So these people go in. They have these contacts with the Trump team. The information makes it back. That's one. i got to take a break in a second. But here's number two. And I'll explain more in detail on the other side of this break. Don Trump Jr. gets an email from a publicist named Rob Goldstone, a guy they know from the Miss Universe pageant. They've dealt with each other before. In the email... Goldstone says, hey, this guy who's, uh, and his dad, this singer, Agalarov, and his dad, they've got some information on Trump, 
and they want to set up, excuse me, on Hillary, and they want to set up a meeting at Trump Tower. Now, keep in mind, Don Trump Jr. is completely transparent about this. He released the whole email chain on this. I'm sure he'd like to take some of it back, the, uh, the, the meeting, but nothing, nothing untoward or illegal happens at this meeting. But the meeting's set up by this publicist. This guy, Agalarov, you're going to be, if you haven't heard this yet, you're going to be shocked at this guy and his son and their connection to Fusion GPS as well and their meeting with the Trump team. Folks, I'm telling you by the time I'm done with this, you are gonna, your, your eggs are going to be scrambled and your mind is going to be blown. The Obama team spied on the Trump team. They are running out of places to hide. There is nowhere to run. Do not miss a second of this show. It's the most important show I've ever done for Mark here. Please, don't miss it. If you want to call in, by the way, 877-381-3811. If you want to send me a tweet, I am at Bongino on Twitter. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Back to the Mark Levin Show, Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter, in for the great one. All right, so listen, we talked about opening up the show, how we were going to lay it out for you. Don't forget, I can't repeat it enough, the Obama team spied on Trump, and the Trump team, I'm going to show you how. We're covering part one now of this telenovela called The Sting. The Sting is these seemingly random people approaching the Trump foreign policy team, and the information, amazingly, always seems to get back to Fusion GPS and the Hillary team, and in some cases the FBI as well. So the first person was Sergey Milian, where the it's alleged the story of uh, the Golden Shower episode happens. That gets back to Fusion GPS through Steele. Also, Milian is, uh, is, as has been reported, in contact with Papadopoulos from the Trump campaign. Man uh, number two here. Person number two, the Agalarovs. So they request a uh, through this publicist that uh, they set up a meeting with the Trumps, a meeting with uh, the Trump the Trump team. Don Trump Jr. agrees to this meeting. Uh, in the meeting, in the emails, these people say they have information on Hillary. Again, Don Trump Jr. has exposed all this already. But who shows up for this meeting, folks? This is unbelievably telling. A Russian lawyer last name Veselnitskaya shows up for the meeting. Why is that important? Because Veselnitskaya, this Russian lawyer, who does she meet with both the day before and after the meeting? I'm sure this is all a big kawinky dink, by the way, with a wink and a nod. Oh, she meets with Fusion GPS. It's kind of weird. So again, you have another set of people here in the setup of the Trump team contacting the Trump team or communicating with the Trump team, and somehow their information winds up back with Fusion GPS, who's working for Hillary. All chance? Again, like the guy knocking on your door 17 times a month asking you if you want to go rob a bank with him, is that all chance or is someone setting you up? So Veselnitskaya shows up, nothing happens about Hillary in the meeting, Don Trump Jr. realizes it's a waste of time, leaves the meeting, releases all the emails publicly after that. Fascinating, though, that Veselnitskaya starts talking about the Magnitsky Act in the meeting and some other things involved. Magnitsky Act is like a sanctions act on people involved in serious crimes overseas that can, you know, 
are banned from certain businesses that you know interest in the United States. The Russians don't like this because a lot of the people in there over there uh, that are involved in this were being sanctioned themselves. Is it just coincidence as well that Fusion GPS is working to, to uh, basically to get, to get the Magnitsky Act repealed as well? They're also attacking Americans who were involved in uh, the advancement of the Magnitsky Act. So again, you have these people, this Russian lawyer who meets with Fusion GPS both the day before and the day after the meeting with uh, Trump Jr. and Trump Tower, and they contact the Trump team and reach out. What What's going on here, folks? I'm going to sum up this part quickly because this is going to get, we have this, I had to like name chapters. I had to name them by uh, cute names so everyone would stay involved, right? The sting, the daylight, the reverse engineering, crowd strike. This is going to get even, this gets even better. Who's the third person? And again, this was reported by the New York Times. So for the loony liberals listening who want to claim this is all a big conspiracy theory, you can take it up with the New York Times on that one. So a third person has a meeting with George Papadopoulos in a London bar. Remember that for later. The location's important. Has a meeting with this backbencher foreign policy advisor in a London bar, George Papadopoulos, and says later that he contacted the FBI and intelligence authorities because Papadopoulos mentioned something about the Russians having dirt on Hillary. How did Fusion GPS know about that? Folks, I got a whole lot more on this when you come back. Don't miss the second of this episode. I'm Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter. In for Mark Levin. Give us a call, 877-381-3811. More logic than allowed by law. The Mark Levin Show. Call now at 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter, filling in for the great one. Hey, folks, have you signed up for Levin TV yet? Go to CRTV.com. Uh, they're running a real uh, terrific promo right now. If you use the promo code LEVIN2, that's LEVIN2, the number two, you get $20 off. It's a great deal. They got some terrific programming over there. They got Steve Crowder's show. They just brought on Ali Stuckey, the Roaming Millennial. They got Steve Dace's show. And of course, the flagship show, Mark Levin's show. They got Michelle Malkin's show over there. She's got some episodes coming out that are absolutely terrific. Go check it out, CRTV.com. Be sure to use the promo code LEVIN2. That's the number two. You'll get $20 off. It's a really great network. Go check it out. Really great content. All right, folks. So the sting, the setup, the, st- the setup of the Trump team. I gave you the two names. I'm working on the third now. So New York Times reported. Again, the New York Times. is not Dan Bongino reporting. It's not Mark Levin reporting it. The New York Times reported that the investigation into the Trump team, what I'm calling the sting, the setup, began because of a conversation in a London bar between a backbencher political advisor named George Papadopoulos and a guy named Alexander Downer, who at the time was an Australian diplomat. It's alleged that Papadopoulos told Downer that uh, the Russians had some dirt on Hillary, which basically everybody on the planet already knew. If you had half a brain and functioning heart and two ears, it worked. So he tells that to Downer, and according to the New York Times coverage, and believe me, I'm not asking you to actually trust the New York Times. I'm just telling you what they say. Because I understand liberals listening to this. The liberals don't want to know the truth that the Obama team spied on the Trump team because they support the police state. They love the police state. That's what they do. Downer goes to American uh, intelligence law enforcement officials and reports that Papadopoulos said this, and the New York Times alleges that this is what started the whole thing, the spying into the Trump team. 
That was the setup, folks. That's the setup portion of this. That was the setup of the setup, right? You have these people approaching the Trump team during the course of 2016, either volunteering information or taking information and reporting it back to American Intel, and that information is also winding up in the hands of a political operative uh, in, in the form of uh, Christopher Steele, who's working for Fusion GPS, who's also working for Hillary Clinton at the time. Now, don't get lost in all this. Remember the 30,000-foot view. The Obama team is spying on the Trump team. I'll get to the why of the motives in a little while, so hang with me here. It's a complicated story. But don't forget the overall top line. They're spying on the Trump team. This is a setup from the start. These people are approaching the Trump team. They're reporting back to Fusion GPS. It's getting to American intelligence and law enforcement as well. Very shady stuff. Now, what's interesting about Fusion GPS, before I go further, the next part, the exposing of this and how this comes out, what's fascinating is right around the time that the Clinton campaign is paying Fusion GPS through a law firm, they're paying from a, through a law firm because it makes it easier to claim plausible deniability. You can just pay the law firm for, quote, legal services. And what that law firm does with the money is a little bit harder to track. The law firm they pay to pay Fusion GPS, that's getting information, follow me here, from all of these people that are approaching the Trump team and either taking information or volunteering information in this, this little trap here. The law firm that's paying the company that these people are reporting back to is Perkins Coie. That's fascinating, Perkins Coie, because right around the same time, OFA is paying Perkins Coie who? You're like, who the heck is OFA and why should I care? Well, OFA used to be Obama for America. It was now organizing for America. It is the de facto leftover Obama campaign arm. Now, obviously, the Obama campaign team was not necessary after the second term because Obama could not be reelected to a third term. So it renamed itself Organizing for America, but still retained a lot of the Obama operatives in there. They were paying the exact same law firm during 2016, 900 plus thousand dollars. At the same time, this law firm was taking money from Hillary to pay an opposition research group that is somehow getting information from all of these people approaching the Trump team. Nothing to see here, folks. Nothing to see here at all. Don't you worry. If Woody would have went right to the police, none of this would have ever happened for you Woody Woodpecker fans. Folks, this was a setup the whole time. Now let's go to chapter two of this book, because this is important. The daylight portion of this, when this gets exposed. And I'll get to some motives and stuff later, because it, right now it's, it's important that you understand the, the mechanics of what happened. Well, what happens on Election Day in November? The shot heard around the world. Something very few people expected. Uh, I mean, Chris Saliza, who I don't know where he is now, CNN or whatever, has a, had a headline at one of these left-wing media outlets saying, the chances of Trump winning the election are approaching zero. So nobody thinks Trump is going to win. So you're probably asking the question, then why would the Obama team set up the Trump team and spy on them if they were so concerned they weren't going to win. Well, folks, they're not stupid, the Obama team. The Obama team doesn't want to take any chances. The Obama team can't take any chances. The Obama team is well aware through their polling that there is a chance Trump will win. It's not a good one, but there is a chance. It's obviously not zero, as Chris Saliz's headline said. 
They know that. The Obama team at the time has some very, very weak intel. I mean, intel that wouldn't pass the smell test to get a warrant for jaywalking. But there's an ongoing investigation now prior to Election Day of the Trump team. Again, based on intelligence, you couldn't get a warrant for felonious mopery in the umpteenth degree. But they somehow wind up getting a warrant to spy on the Trump team. They need this on the Trump team. Because a lot of the players involved in the Obama administration who are now involved in this have other, let's say, interests and other information not coming out as well. It's awfully convenient that, you know, we had the Iran deal going on at the same time. We had massive capitulation to Russia at the same time. All of this stuff was going to come out in the event that Hillary Clinton lost. Now, if Hillary Clinton wins, this all gets swept under the carpet. We never hear another thing about it. Bye-bye now. See you later. Hillary will do everything she can to make it all go away because Hillary's involved in this, too. Folks, these aren't, again, big conspiracy theories. This stuff actually happened. There was a prosecution into some of the same players involved in the Uranium One deal. Pleas were made. Gag orders were issued. And it all of a sudden went away. The Obama administration has an interest in making sure a lot of this information doesn't see daylight. So if we can get Trump dirtied up a little bit, well, why not give it a little shot? So what happens? Trump wins. Trump wins and shocks everybody. Panic sets in. You can only imagine the Obama team that sees it as 95%, if not more, likely that Hillary's going to win this thing, and don't worry, this is all going to go away. Panic sets in on election night when they find out Trump's going to win this thing. They don't know what to do. Now the operation gets exposed. The Obama team in the transition has to go back and somehow reverse engineer a crime that never happened. Now, why would they have to do that, folks? They would have to do that because the Obama team must now realize that this investigation they have been conducting into the Trump team has not produced a scintilla of evidence of anyone on the team acting on behalf of a foreign agent. They know this. These are not stupid people. Do not underestimate the intelligence of the Obama team. They were rather ruthless when they needed to be. Now... They have to reverse engineer a crime. They better find the crime because they have nothing to justify at this point their actions. Now, they understand that during this transition, where Trump is now the president-elect, but Barack Obama is still the president, they understand they're in a world of trouble, and the critical question is why. Why would they understand they were in a world of trouble? Well, for the very obvious reason that Donald Trump is now the president-elect. He is going to have access to the very same intelligence that Barack Obama did. Now they're like, uh-oh, what do we do now? Now he's going to start figuring this out. So a, there's a critical moment in all of this. Donald Trump gets elected, and about 10 days after the election, remember, he's still the president-elect, so Barack Obama is still the president, but Trump has won the campaign, uh, the campaign's over. He is now the president-elect. Something very suspicious happens. This is a critical moment. About 10 days after the election, Admiral Mike Rogers of the NSA, who understands that there has been an ongoing spying operation of some sort against Trump team members, 
goes up and visits Trump Tower. Now, as a former Secret Service agent, you know, after he wins, there's, he, he has a Secret Service detail before Trump as, a, as the Republican nominee. But that footprint, that security footprint is expanded when he becomes president-elect. It takes a little bit of time to expand some of the technical portions. I'll leave out the details for obvious reasons. But the detail gets expanded and expanded even more when he becomes the sitting president, right? So about 10 days after he wins the election, and that time period is critical, because you figure it would take some time to set up, let's say, technical countermeasures. In other words, if you were running for president and you won, when you became president-elect, it's absolutely critical that people from the, the military who worked with, when we used to be with the Secret Service who worked with us when I used to be there, that they set up a bunch of communication countermeasures so you can't be spied on. That'll take a little bit of time. Maybe about 10 days? So Admiral Mike Rogers waits about 10 days after the election and makes an unannounced, when I say unannounced, I mean unannounced to his bosses in the military and to the Obama administration. And he takes a trip up to Trump Tower, where remember the elevator meetings? Every, remember all those meetings that were happening at Trump Tower? Why would they stop? Why they stop? What happened? So Rogers goes up there on November seventeenth, and all of a sudden, what happens the next day? Poof, they're gone. Trump and his team evacuate Trump Tower for Bedminster, New Jersey. Not really. I mean, reported on by the media but not reported on in any way that was interesting like we're talking about it now. Folks, I'm laying out a series of events for you that actually happened, okay? None of this is conspiracy theory stuff. These are events and facts that actually happened. Do you think it's a coincidence that as I started the show with, remember, keep in mind the 30,000-foot view, the Obama team spied on Trump. The only question is how and was it legal? That is the only question, not that they did it. Rogers who's running the NSA, goes up to visit Trump 10 days after the election, probably assured that there's some kind of technical countermeasure so we can have an open conversation with Trump. And what do you think he tells Trump? It's more than likely warns Trump that there's something going on in re with regards to surveillance that is probably a bit improper of his team. Trump leaves Trump Tower that day. Uh, leaves the next day, goes up to Bedminster, New Jersey, doesn't conduct any more of his meetings down in Trump Tower. Think that was a big quinky dink too? How that went down? Now, keep in mind, this surveillance, the spying operation on the Trump team is left a paper trail here. Paper trail that can be found. It's not that easy to destroy all this stuff, folks. The paper trail is what I'm going to get to next after this break. And you're not going to want to miss it, folks. Do not tune out to this show for one minute. I'm telling you, it's the most important show I've ever done, filling in for Mark. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. If you want to send me a tweet, I'm at DBongino on Twitter. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at DBongino on Twitter. Filling in for Mark. All right, if you missed any portion of this show, go to MarkLevinShow.com. Go to iTunes, anywhere you can listen to Mark's podcast. You're going to have to listen to the first hour, too. Because I have been explaining to you this entire time, don't lose the 30,000-foot thesis we're operating on here. 
The Obama team spied on the Trump team. I am explaining to you what happened and the likely mechanics of how it happened based on me, the reports that are already out there, folks. First chapter was the sting. All these people approaching the Trump team that unbelievably have contacts with Fusion GPS afterwards and gets back to the Hillary team and the FBI. We just got done talking about the daylight. Chapter two. Trump gets elected. All of a sudden, Trump can see this intelligence. <gasps> the Obama team panics. Mike Rogers goes up to Trump, Trump Tower. Mike Rogers, the uh, NSA director. National Security Administration goes up. Doesn't tell the Obama team about it. Warns Trump 10 days after the election about what's going on. Trump leaves for Bedminster, New Jersey. Doesn't do any more meetings in Trump Tower. Now does that we were wiretapped March tweet by Trump make a little bit more sense? Now, conveniently, in case you think, oh, man, Rogers just went up there to have coffee. Went up there for a coffee clutch. Maybe have a Kit Kat. Who knows? Hey, went up there. They wanted to have some of that Sasquatch uh, beef jerky. No, no, no. What do you think happens after this meeting? So, again, he meets with Trump on November 17th. Keep in mind, Rogers, the director of the NSA, knows what's going on here, folks. And I'm going to explain to you how I think this spying operation happened. And this setup of the Trump team the entire time, that's going to be in the next hour. But bear with me for a second. Rogers exposes it to him, to Trump. They leave. They go to Bedminster, right? Don't you find it awfully convenient that over the next few days, what happens to Rogers? The Obama team starts calling for his dismissal. Oh, my gosh. Again, another crazy coincidence. Why would they do that? Because they didn't like the smell of his cologne? So Rogers doesn't tell the Obama team or his military bosses he's going up to see Trump. Rogers is very suspicious about patterns of spying going on with regards to the accumulation of data and the use of it. Rogers goes up, talks to Trump. Trump leaves Trump Tower the next day. In the following days, the Obama team says, hey, we got to get rid of Rogers. Oh, man. All a big kawinky thing, folks. Nothing to see here. Don't you worry at all. Also convenient, right around that time, Rogers, through OCO, a compliance office, requests kind of an audit of the use of databases, metadata, and that type of material, Basically, materially used to spy on the Trump team, and he doesn't. He requests a review. Let's leave it at that with the uh, with the FISA court, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. He requests a review of what's going on. The Obama team gets wind of that review because Rogers knows some of this data, some of this was being tapped into, to probably and probably used in the spying on of the Trump team. And there's probably a pattern there, so Rogers doesn't want his butt hung out to dry. So he requests a review. The review takes a little while, folks. The Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court has to review this this pattern, and it takes a while to submit a report. What's in that report, I'm going to talk to you on the other side of this, because it is absolutely damning and should scare any liberty-loving American and open all your eyes. I'm Dan Bongino, at Bongino on Twitter, Infomark. We'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. 
Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at DBongino on Twitter, in for the great one. Folks, I, I don't want to keep repeating content in the show, but this is an important show. And I have to rewind the tape a bit just to reset where we are so you understand where we're going. Because the information's going to get deep here. And I don't want to lose you. Remember what I've been talking about. The Obama team spied on the Trump team. That is not in dispute. The only thing in dispute is how they did it and is how they did it legal. I've been making the case to you, I think strongly, that the answer to that is unquestionably no. I told you in chapter one of this story that this has been a setup. I gave you the names of three people that approached the Trump team or were contacted by the Trump team or had conversations with the Trump team. Bottom line is there was a connection there with the Trump team, with these three people, who also with these three people had a connection to Fusion GPS who was working for the Hillary team and the information also makes it back to the FBI. I strongly believe that this was the setup of the Trump team the entire time. Chapter 2, the daylight, Trump wins. Everybody's in a panic. I promise I'll get to the reasons why with Obama and why this happened. Don't, don't worry, but hang with me. you got to understand the backbone of this first. Trump gets elected, the Obama team panics, because Trump will now see a lot of what's going on because he is now the president-elect and is privy to some of the same, if not the identical, briefings Obama would get at times. They panic. Mike Rogers of the NSA sees a pattern of activity, spying activity. He doesn't like it. I'm trying to keep this simple without getting into the wonkery. He submits for a review, a compliance review, of how the data was used that the NSA is accumulating that could be used to spy on people. What happens? Rogers goes and visits Trump at Trump Tower on November 17th after the election. The next day, Trump evacuates. He goes up to Bedminster. Again, does the wiretap tweet make sense now that everybody poked fun at Trump and Mark, by the way, Mark Levin for as well? Now does it make sense? He who laughs last laughs the loudest. Revenge is a dish best served icy cold in this case. Media idiots laughed at Mark. Everybody else, ah, oh, Mark was, keep in mind, Mark was just covering what the media had already reported. 
The New York Times reported on wiretaps. I have a screenshot of it. Using the actual word, by the way. Rogers, I believe, tells Trump what's going on. Trump leaves, realizes he's being spied on. A submission is made to the FISA court to review this spying process. Now, that review, kind of like an internal affairs review, that is not published for months later into the following year, but the report is damning. Now, if I can, I'll tweet it out later on my account, but it's from it's an official document from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. It's not some kooky left-wing conspiracy theory nut stuff. This is an actual report from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. In that report, on page 20 and 83, is some absolutely damning information. In that report, it clearly states that there have been abuses of the spying powers of the NSA. What I want to point out to you on those pages, I think this is on 83. This is the critical line. It talks about the sharing of this data that the NSA has on people with private parties and third party, private contractors and third parties. That's the verbatim language. Wait, what? The NSA is accumulating piles of data on American citizens. Mike Rogers asked for a compliance review. The review comes out months later. It talks about how the NSA has been sharing some of this information. Now, to be fair, it says a lot of this they believe is human error. But it says it doesn't say all of it, meaning some of it's not human error. Multiple channel communications and that kind of thing, email chains where people may have gotten involved in. But it doesn't say, folks, it absolutely does not say all of it's human error, which means by logical inference that some of it was done purposefully and shared with private contractors and third parties. Do you realize what I'm telling you? Now, the golden question is, who the hell is the NSA sharing information with from their database that's a third party or a private contractor? Who were they? Now does the portion with the sting in the beginning. May, folks, listen to me. I was a former federal agent. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just establishing some bona fides. Can I tell you conclusively that that connection can be made, that those third parties and private contractors were people being paid, uh, being paid by the Clinton campaign, the Fusion GPS folks? No, I can't. It doesn't say that in the report. But I do think it's awfully suspicious and worth looking into that all of these people keep approaching the Trump team, have these conversations with the Trump team. These conversations turn into somehow, as reported by the New York Times, an FBI counterintelligence investigation. This investigation is using the tools of spying that later a review of those tools of spying reports that some of this information was being shared with, quote, third parties and private contractors. Now... What's even more fascinating about this ongoing spying operation that I believe Rogers tells Trump about in part, what's more fascinating about this is there's a procedure for this, right? When there is one of these significant uh, investigations, I saw this in the Secret Service a lot, there's a lot of oversight that goes into significant investigations, especially those with a political impact. Now, folks, you think this is a significant in, uh, investigation, a counterintelligence investigation into Donald Trump? Nah, nah, it's no big deal. Um, it's only the most consequential CIA investigation possibly in American history. What's fascinating about this is former FBI Director Jim Comey is up on the Hill in March of 2017, and he's talking about this investigation, 
And he's asked by a representative from New York, a congresswoman named Elise Stefanik, if during that investigation he's notified the proper authorities about it. He's supposed to notify. It's not a formal procedure, but it's pretty standard practice, as he indicates in that testimony, to notify the White House, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, and to notify Congress, the congressional, the people who had oversight in Congress, certain intelligence officials. He never notifies Congress, Comey, of what's going on. Listen to what I just told you. He never notifies Congress. He doesn't tell Congress about the most significant counterintelligence investigation potentially in modern U.S. history, and we're supposed to believe Jim Comey's the good guy in all of this? Now, the reason he gives to Representative Stefanik is fascinating. He says he was told by higher-ups in the FBI and the counterintelligence division not to say anything because of the sensitivity of the matter. Um, wait, come again there, Daddy-O? The entire reason for congressional oversight of the FBI, which is not an autonomous agency. The FBI is not a government in and of itself. Folks, I mean this with all due respect. I was a federal agent. The FBI men and women out there are the best of the best, the cream of the crop. I have nothing but the utmost respect for you, and I genuinely, genuinely feel for you that you have to go through this right now because a couple of imbeciles at the top of that organization had to ruin it for you. You guys and women out there are the best. Don't be misled for a second by these stupid liberal talking points that this is somehow your fault. You had nothing to do with this. This is a handful of idiots at the top who ruined this. He gives the answer that they didn't notify Congress because of the sensitivity of the matter. That's the whole point of congressional oversight. To be notified about sensitive investigations. That's the whole point. He doesn't notify Congress for eight months till after Trump is elected. Folks, what the hell were they hiding? What were they hiding? Now, after this Trump election win, people realize involved in this that something's wrong. That there's not a substantive base of information and evidence to justify everything they did to spy on the Trump team. If there was, we would have seen it already. They have been spying on Trump for months and his team, and there is no evidence whatsoever, not a scintilla of evidence, that actual collusion exists. Panic sets in. So what happens? Well, Rogers becomes public enemy number one at NSA. The Obama team starts calling for his removal, figuring he told the Trump team about what's going on. A man by the name of John Carlin in the Department of Justice National Security Division, conveniently immune from oversight and the OIG investigation that's ongoing. That's a whole different story. The Inspector General kind of internal affairs investigation going on this whole time. A guy named John Carlin asks for a review as well of these spying procedures using the NSA's accumulation of metadata. Possibly an Obama administration ploy to head off the Rogers request. In other words, oh, you're going to request an inquiry? We're going to make a, we're going to look like the, the white knights in this, and we're going to request an in inquiry too. Carlin resigns not long after this inquiry started, by the way. Now, who's Carlin? Who was he before he was DOJ National Security Division head? 
unquestionably in the know about this spying operation that was happening. Oh, he was Bob Mueller's chief of staff. Another Kawinky dink. How does that happen? Amazing. Just a coincidence, folks. Just a coincidence. And by the way, Carlin, after the election, who knows about this stuff, who requests the air quotes review himself to CYA, Carlin goes out afterwards after the election and starts doing interviews on NPR saying, man, and these other outlets, Trump, he shouldn't be going after Mueller. He needs to let this investigation proceed. What investigation? Into the crime that never happened? That people involved in the government, in the DOJ, that you, that were in your division and around, had, must have known about this spying operation? Folks, the collusion thing was a myth the entire time. It was a myth to cover up the largest, most consequential spying operation conducted in U.S. history on a presidential candidate. And it's all going to come out in the wash soon. I got more, folks. I'm not even close to done. I, I have to take a break. But on the other side of this, I'm going to start getting into two things. The problem here with the legality of this, the vacuum of evidence they're missing, and the motive. What's Obama's team hiding? Why are they so concerned about dirtying up the Trump team? I mean, they thought they were going to lose, right? So why bother? It's important. You're not going to want to miss this. I'm Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter, in for the great one. If you want to give us a call, I will get to your calls eventually. I'm just trying to lay this whole thing out, folks. It's really complicated. 877-381-3811. If you want to send me a tweet, I'm at Bongino. Uh, folks, have you signed up yet for CRTV? If, you, if you're not, you're missing out on Mark Levin's show every night. I mean, it's just uh, when he sits there and he watches the monitor of these speeches and just fillets these people, it's priceless. They've got some great deals they're running now. It's available at CRTV.com. That's CRTV.com. If you put in promo code LEVIN2, it's a number two. You'll get $20 off. Go check it out. They've got Steve Crowder's show, Mark Levin's show, Michelle Malkin's show. They have Ali Stuckey, Gavin McGinnis. The lineup goes on and on. The Roaming Millennial, it goes on and on and on. Always bringing it. Oh, Will Cow. we got Andrew Will Cow now on there, too. It's a great, great network. Go check it out. CRTV.com. Put in promo code LEVIN2. That's LEVIN2, and you'll get $20 off. So we've been taking you down the rabbit hole, as Mr. Producer said to me there, and uh, I hope we've scrambled your eggs a little bit. Now, again, we always have to rewind the tape a bit. Don't send me nasty tweets. You repeated yourself. We have to, folks. This is complicated. Remember what I'm trying, the case I'm making to you. I used to be an agent. This is what I did. Prosecuted complex federal cases. You have to lay out evidence. You have to lay out a series of facts. Remember. Coincidence can be evidence, too. If it's a coincidence that you were at the scene of a crime, that's evidence that you were there, <laughs> okay? It's not a coincidence, right, if you actually committed the crime. I'm laying out to you a series of events that I, the case I'm trying to make to you is they, these series of events are not explainable by simple, oh, gosh, oh, shucks, I don't know how that happened. Maybe one or two of them's an accident. Maybe one or two of them's a coincidence. Not the series of 15, 20 events I just laid out for you. And what's the premise we're trying to prove? Obama's team spied on Trump. And they did it via unlawful means. 
Now, remember, chapter one was the sting, the setup. All these people approach the Trump team. Report back to Fusion GPS. Then they get exposed. Rogers, Mike Rogers goes up, tells Trump. Trump evacuates, right? All of a sudden, all these people start resigning. Now, the question is, now we're going to dig into this a bit. How did they spy on Trump? Because it's easy for me to say that, right? Any idiot can say, oh, you know, the, the, the Trump team was spied. What does that mean? I mean, were they doing physical surveillance? Because let's be clear, folks, about one thing so you understand. Spying on American citizens is not illegal. Spying on American citizens illegally is illegal. Physical surveillance of criminal targets or potential criminal suspects, potential intelligence targets, physical surveillance, meaning, you know, some, you know, whatever, potential terrorists or criminals working out in a gym, FBI agent goes undercover and starts benching next to him on a gym. There's nothing illegal about that at all. Nothing. However, that's not illegal because that target, subject, whatever you want to call him or her, has no reasonable expectation of privacy in a public gym. Now, the Gold's Gym or whatever can throw the guy out, but there's, it's a reasonable expectation that you're, it's not private. You're in an open gym, okay? Now, in your private phone conversations and your email traffic, there is a reasonable expectation of privacy. Therefore, it is not lawful in the United States to therefore just tap into that email and phone traffic without producing probable cause that a crime was committed or there is a separate means to do it on an intelligence case. On the other side of this break, folks, I'm going to describe to you the actual legal process to do it. If you were going to spy on the Trump team legally, how you would do it, and importantly, how I believe it was actually done. Notice, I said I was going to describe to you the legal process, and I, I said to you I was going to tell you how I believe the Obama team did it. I don't think what they did was lawful. And I'm going to read to you some headlines from left-leaning outlets that back up my own case, because I know the kooky media matters, folks, who liberal, listen to this stuff, right? They're going, oh, it's a conspiracy theory. All right, well, you're going to have to bring down CNN and The Guardian, too. Because what I'm about to tell you on the other side of the break was reported by them. Again, folks, it's not a conspiracy theory if it actually happened. I'm Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter, in for Mark Levin. Give us a call, 877-381-3811. Be our back. For liberal media bias, Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back. Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. It was like a Matthew McConaughey moment. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Wolfman Jack. Remember that Wolfman? My father used to listen to that guy growing up. I heard he invented radio syndication. He used to send his tapes out there. People used to play his tapes, and that's how syndicated radio started. Who would have thought, right? Now Mark's on, what, 500 stations or whatever? So, folks, just to be clear, for those of you just joining, we've been laying out the case on the Obama team spying on Trump, how it happened. All right, let's restart the story. Let's get back to this. I said to you in the last break, I was going to explain to you how legal spying happens and how I think the Obama team did it. The distinction is very important. But before I get to that, I want to bring up one quick point. Because some of you may be saying, when I opened up the show 
and I talked about chapter one of this story. Remember, the story is the Obama team spied on the Trump team. The first part is the setup, how they set the Trump team up. And I talked about how all these people were approaching the Trump team and the information was somehow making it back to Fusion GPS and the Hillary team and making it back to Obama administration officials and the Department of Justice and the FBI. One of those people was Alexander Downer, an Australian diplomat, who the New York Times, folks, I'm not making this up, Google it yourself. The Internet is the ultimate fact-checking weapon if you do your homework the right way. The New York Times themselves, in an effort to save their reputations, just put out a story in December, in December saying, this Alexander Downer, this Australian diplomat, this started the entire Trump spying operation. I'm telling you, the spying operation is a, is a farce the whole time to dirty up the Trump team. But the New York Times needs to invent a reason. So they say, well, Alexander Downer, this Australian diplomat, met with George Papadopoulos, a Trump foreign policy advisor. Truth is, the guy was a total backbencher in a bar in London. And in that bar in London, Papadopoulos tells Downer, the Russians have dirt on Hillary. <gasps> Everybody on the planet knows this. But th So let me get this straight. I, knew, I was probably saying that at the time, too. Why aren't I under FBI investigation? Everybody knew the Russians had dirt on Hillary. Everybody. So this starts the most consequential counterintelligence investigation in U.S. history. Now, let me just read something about Downer. This is from LifeZet. It's an article by Mark Tapscott published two weeks ago. Not making this up, folks. This is stuff that's out there. Credible reporting. Pay close attention to the names. I tell people all the time, the best advice I ever got as a federal agent, memorize the names. Because in a large conspiracy, those names will always come back up. Here's a quote from this piece by Tapscott. They're talking about this guy, Smith, who's an investigator, who's investigating this, the, the exchange of money between the, the, the giving of money from the Australian government to the Clinton Foundation. And I'm quoting here. At the center of the Smith's, at Smith's complaints are former President Bill Clinton, former Secretary of State, 2016 Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton, and multiple Australian government officials, including senior diplomat Alexander Downer, that government's high commissioner to the United Kingdom. Downer hit U.S. headlines recently when he was reported to have told the FBI of a May 2016 conversation he had with George Papadopoulos, then a campaign aide to President Donald Trump. Folks, Pretty amazing, huh? How all of these people who are approaching the Trump team, and they and Downer met Papadopoulos in London. I told you at the beginning of the show. Don't forget that detail. They all seem to have connections to the Clintons and to Fusion GPS. While Fusion GPS is working with the FBI to gather information on Trump, all a big coincidence, folks. Nothing to see here. Police state stuff. Don't worry about it. That's all conspiracy theory, right? I'm just making all this up. I'm giving you reporting that's actually happened. Now, before we get to the PC thing, let me read to you some other headlines, by the way. These are fascinating. I've got, I've got so many of them, I've got to scroll through them. Okay, this one's a doozy. Now, I told you Downer meets with Papadopoulos in this bar in London and that's allegedly where this whole illicit spying operation happened. It's a crap story. It's nonsense. But it's the New York Times trying to cover themselves. Because no one can explain why Obama was spying on Trump, what I'm doing in this show. Here's an article 
CNN.com. Yes, CNN. Not like fake CNN. This is the real CNN, okay? This was from April 14th of 2017. Remember what I told you. Downer meets Papadopoulos in a London bar. Don't let that London thing go away. Headline, April 14th, 2017. Report by Jim Shuto, Pamela Brown, and Eric Bradner from CNN. British intelligence passed Trump Associates communications with Russians onto U.S. counterparts. What? Another crazy coincidence. How did that happen? Oh, my gosh. Wait, who's reporting this? Duffel blog, The Onion? No, no, CNN.com. Let me read that headline again. British intelligence passed Trump Associates communications with Russians onto U.S. counterparts. I'm, it's all, folks, it's all a conspiracy theory. I'm making this all. I hacked into CNN.com and Jim Shuto's account and made this story up. Now, remember there were some people who put this theory out there and they were mocked. I'm just telling you what CNN says. British intelligence passed Trump Associates communications with Russians onto U.S. counterparts. What part of that is, is in any way controversial? I'm reading you a headline. Let me not read you a headline, but I can tell you to look this one up, though, because I don't want to, if I read headlines throughout the show, I I have a thousand headlines. But there are a lot of these, by the way, a lot of these stories are at my website, uh, Bongino.com, my last name. A lot of these links I'm talking about are on my website in news picks I put them up at. So you can see through the library there if you're interested in reading the whole story. I don't want to leave you out to dry. I'm not trying to, like, Get free plugs. I'm just telling you, the stories are there. There was another headline before this. The NSA, and I'm not a fan of Snowden, let me be clear on this, but there were some documents that were disclosed um, illegally that showed that there was a transfer of money. This is not nothing illegal about it. It's foreign policy stuff. But the NSA was paying the British equivalent of the NSA, the GCHQ, pretty significant sums of money in an intelligence-sharing operation. I'm not alleging there's anything illegal about this, folks. We give money to a lot of foreign governments for a lot of things. I'm just telling you with some of these documents that were disclosed illegally but were outed by the British press. You can look this up. I, I don't have the specific headline in front of me because I have so many of them right now I want to get to. But again, none of this is in dispute. In some of those disclosed documents, they, they indicate that there were payments between our intelligence services and the British intelligence service. Their equivalent of the NSA would be what's called the GCHQ. The GCHQ took a lot of this money. And in some of the documentation, people within the GCHQ say, well, we're expected to produce some results for this. Now, you can read into that what you want. Do you find it even remotely interesting that the New York Times says that this entire spying operation started in a bar in London, while CNN's reporting that British intelligence passed information onto U.S. intelligence about the Trump team, the intelligence was passed to a guy named Downer, who's an Australian diplomat, part of these Five Eyes intelligence-sharing countries, who also has a relationship with the Clintons. Nothing to see here, folks. All a big coinky-dink. Don't you worry, liberals. Nothing happened here at all. But it's not even, if, according to liberals, let's not look into any of this. Let's just pretend none of this ever happened. Let me read you another interesting headline. Hold on, i got to scroll down a second and find this one. 
Because this one's real. Oh, 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 here we go. Here we go. I've got about 20 tabs open on my iPhone X here. The GCHQ, which is the British equivalent of the NSA. Again, I'm just reading CNN's headline before that they were passing intel on the Trump team to American intelligence sources. I'm just reading the headlines, folks. We were giving money to the GCHQ. They were expected to produce stuff. Here's a fascinating story from The Guardian. This article is one year old. Monday, the 23rd of January, 2017. Not that long after Trump unexpectedly gets elected. Headline, GCHQ Chief Robert Hannigan quits. <laughs> wow, wow. Why did that happen? Let me read the opening paragraph. The director of GCHQ, Robert Hannigan, is to stand down early for personal reasons, mainly health issues involving his wife and other family members. I don't know, Hannigan. I'm just reading the headlines, folks. It's not a conspiracy theory if the stuff actually happened. Now, you're kind of getting the picture about why I wanted to paint that little picture before we started discussing how you would spy on people legally. Now, I just read to you CNN's headline about foreign intelligence services reporting back to the United States and American intelligence counterparts on the Trump team. I just read the headline. If that happened, why do you think that would happen if there is a perfectly legal avenue for U.S. intelligence assets themselves to spy on the Trump team? There is a legal way to do surveillance. And here it is. When you're a federal agent, there are two avenues you can pursue to surveil a subject. And I'm, I'm not talking about that the where you have no reasonable expectation of privacy. Physical surveillance in a public place is legal on anyone, anytime. may not be nice or cute, but the FBI can watch you in a public place if they want. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, illegal, I should say about it. There may be something wrong if they're targeting you, but it, it's not illegal. To tap into your phone communications and to tap into your email communications, you need a warrant. How do you get that? Well, there are two ways. If there's serious evidence of a crime, a violation of the United States Code, a federal crime, you can pursue, due to Title III of the United States Code, you can pursue what we would call a wiretap in just normal uh, conversation. What do you have to do to get a wiretap? You, as a federal agent, you go in front of a judge with an affidavit. You have to prove a couple of things that there is enough probable cause that a crime was committed, that tapping the phone lines or the email content, whatever it may be, the phone lines, which would be very interesting, especially with regard to, I'll get to that in a minute, but tapping the subject's phone lines, that there are, it is the only way you can get the information that less intrusive means wouldn't work. It's very, very difficult on a criminal case, federally, to tap someone's phones. It's not easy, folks. And that's a good thing. We don't want it to be easy. We live in a free constitutional republic. There's another avenue, though, as well. That second avenue is fascinating in this case. You can also surveil people through a FISA court war, a FISA court war, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, due to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Now, that's pretty fascinating, that approach. 
Because you still need probable cause. But it's very complicated to get a FISA warrant. It's not as easy as the liberals want you to believe it is. They want you to believe it's easy to get a FISA court warrant because that's exactly what the Obama team did. They want you to think that this is just like going in the store and buying a bag of candy corn. Oh, it's no big deal. No, 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 it's not. To go into his uh, FISA court and to get a warrant, you have to show a couple things. You have to show there is probable cause that the subject you're looking to surveil, the American citizen or that person on U.S. soil, that that person is acting on behalf of, as, of a foreign agent. He is acting as a foreign agent or she. But that's not enough. You also have to show that that person is acting on behalf of a foreign agent in the furtherance of a violation of some U.S. law. In other words, you can't have incidentally run into a Russian spy in the publics and get prosecuted for it. What if he was just in line in front of you buying a bag of donuts? You have to show that person had probable cause that he was acting in violation of the law while acting as a foreign agent. Folks, does it strike you as odd that the Trump team, Carter Page, that Mike Flynn was unmasked, that they were surveilled and listened to, and yet there's still not a scintilla of evidence that either a crime or a FISA court violation happened? Does this bother you even a little bit? Is it now making sense to you why the British intelligence may have been, according to CNN, passing information to American intelligence officials spying on the Trump team? Has it ever occurred to you that they had nothing? They had nothing the entire time. And when Trump got elected, they had to go back and reverse engineer a crime to cover their tracks to make this look legitimate? Oh, I'm not done. There's more. You're not going to want to miss on the other side of this break what I got coming. I I'm, I'm promise you. Eggs, get ready to scramble them. Because this thing, we are going to go about another 30 feet down the rabbit hole, and it gets even more fascinating. Don't miss a second of it. I'm Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter. We'll be here. Mark Lovin. Back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. In for the great one. Don't uh, far enough down the rabbit hole yet, <laughs> Mr. Producer, Mr. Call Screener. Even like, dude, what is going on, folks? I told you at the beginning of the night we were going to scramble some eggs, and I think we've done it. But there's a whole lot more to go here. So here's where we are. The Obama team spied on the Trump team. I've given you CNN headlines showing you, at least in part, how they did it. They had no evidence of a crime of Russian collusion. So what did they do? They just fabricated the evidence where they needed to. They hired a political operative firm named Fusion GPS, who hired a British spy, who created a dossier of, of entirely fake information exclusively under the control of the Clinton campaign, that would, was used in a dossier, an affidavit presented in front of a foreign intelligence surveillance court in October to clean up a mess, a mess they had created by spying on the Trump team the entire time. I read to you a CNN headline 
where the British intelligence officials were feeding information to American intelligence officials. The person in charge of that unit, the GCHQ, resigns suddenly after Trump is elected, along with John Carlin from the DOJ National Security Division. He resigns, too. He leaves for the private sector. John Carlin was Bob Mueller's chief of staff. <laughs> well, crazy how that happens. We have all these people. We have Jim Clapper, who can't go on TV and give a straight answer about what he knew about the dossier. Hey, Jim, you know about that dossier? Uh, I know parts of it were verified. Yeah, which parts? Yeah, there were two lines in it that were verified, the ones that said the Russians really don't like Hillary. Oh, wow. That's a great job, Jim. You are the director of national intelligence, right? That's all you got? You got nothing else. So they spied on the Trump team, and all you can tell us is that the Russians didn't like Hillary. Wow. What a bang-up job you did. All right, on the other side of this break, don't go anywhere. I'm going to talk about how the Obama team reverse-engineered a crime to cover their tracks. It's going to blow your mind. I'm Dan Bongino. Be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at DBongino on Twitter, filling in for the great one. Hey, if you haven't signed up yet for Levin TV, by the way, do it. There's some great promo codes out there, but one of the one I want to tell you about Levin T, uh, excuse me, Levin Two. Sorry, I'm so caught up in this Russia case. I got so much on my mind, I want to get out that I'm scrambling my own eggs. Promo code Levin Two. If you go to CRTV.com, that's CRTV.com, you get the Mark Levin Show, you get Steve Crowder's show, Gavin McGinnis show, Michelle Malkin show, Ali Stuckey's got a show on there, they have Roaming Millennial on there. Andrew Wilkow has a show on there. It's the best conservative content out there. Go check it out. CRTV.com. Promo code LEVIN2. That's the number two. LEVIN2 for $20 off. Go to CRTV.com. Check that out. All right. Sorry we got to rewind the tape, but let's rewind it a little bit and backtrack to where we were so we know where we're going. The Obama team spied on the Trump team. The only question is how. Chapter 1, The Sting. All of these people start approaching the Trump team or talking with the Trump team, people with connections to the Clintons and connections to Fusion GPS. That information magically makes it into a dossier and makes it into the hands of the FBI, which is used to spy on the Trump team. Now, Chapter 2, The Daylight. Trump wins the election, surprises everybody. Everyone's shocked. The swamp is in a panic. We spied on the Trump team. What do we do? How do we hide this? We spied on this guy. We didn't have any probable cause of a crime. We didn't even have probable cause of jaywalking. What do we do now? Plus, not everybody's on the team. Admiral Mike Rogers of the NSA goes and visits Trump on November 17th after the election. Up in Trump Tower, what happens the next day? Poof. The Trump team is gone, in the wind, as we used to say in Queens. Up in Bedminster, New Jersey, never to conduct another meeting again in Trump Tower. Well, they conducted other meetings, but you get the point. Not those meetings. They leave. In the following days, the Obama team says, that Mike Rogers, man, he's got to go. What a bad guy he is. Shame on him. 
All a coincidence? I also told you that in a CNN piece, reported at CNN.com, not making this up by Jim Shudo, the British intelligence officials were passing information to the American intelligence officials on the Trump team. I'm just reporting the headlines. Right after the election, Donald Trump unexpectedly wins. The head of that British intelligence unit, the GCHQ, Robert Hannigan, resigns for personal reasons. Maybe, maybe so. Just a coincidence. All these people start leaving from the Department of Justice National Security Division as well, including John Carlin, who unquestionably knows about what's going on. He's in the National Security Division of the DOJ. He resigns, too. Wow. Who was Carlin? Bob Mueller's old chief of staff. Mueller now gets appointed special counsel. Look, squirrel! Russian collusion. Pay no attention to the spying scandal. Russian collusion. Is there any evidence of that? No. But let's get a special counsel anyway. And let's make sure that we hire Bob Mueller. Bob Mueller. Guy also involved in the investigation when was with the FBI, along with Rod Rosenstein, who was the United States attorney in charge of Maryland, into an investigation into a company involved with the company that did business with Uranium One. It was a massive kickback scandal. Scandal was never disclosed during the CFIUS board that was supposed to then uh, authenticate and verify, in fact, that the purchase of United States Uranium was going to be a legitimate purpose. This is never brought up in the meeting. Matter of fact, the pleas are taken on late night uh, near a weekend on this case for all these people involved in Uranium One and the, Uran the, the sale of uranium to the United States at the time. All of that stuff magically goes away and is never brought up. Uh, they don't mention, by the way, uh, Bill Clinton's trip over to Kazakhstan. They don't mention his uh, relationship with Frank Justra, who then donates to the Clinton Foundation after he benefits financially from the sale of uh, uh, uranium from Kazakhstan. Bob Mueller... Rod Rosenstein involved in a case that should have been brought up and stopped, stopped that Uranium One sale. It's never brought up in the meeting, in the CFIUS meeting. Nobody brings it up. Amazing how all these coincidences keep happening. Shocking, huh? Let's get into this reverse engineering now. Trump wins the election. The Obama team has to cover their butts. And man, do they have to cover them big. Because they know that the Trump team is eventually going to figure this out. There's a critical thing that happens. Clapper leaves the job as the director of national intelligence. Clapper was an, the Obama guy. He leaves. It takes a while to get Dan Coats, the Trump appointee, confirmed by the Senate. It's fascinating that nearly the minute he gets confirmed, Devin Nunez, who has oversight responsibility in the House of Representatives as a congressman from California, he's a Republican. After the, the DNI is confirmed, Devin Nunez goes over to the White House to review some information. Now, the White House part is critical. I worked over there, spent five years over there. Folks, we have a process with information, the segregating and securing of information. Information in the United States government that is sensitive and compartmented is kept in isolated facilities, not connected, definitely not to the open Internet, 
but in some cases not even connected to different forms of, let's say, the Internet the government has. I don't want to go into too many details. But leave it at this. There is certain information that is only contained in certain spots. You think it's a coincidence that Devin Nunez, who has oversight of our intelligence agencies and the abuse of our intelligence agencies, has to wait for a director of national intelligence to be appointed within days of his appointment. Nunez goes over to the White House facility. This is critical. I'll get to this in a second. To review information. After he reviews this information, he is so shocked at what he's seen, he gives a press conference and proceeds to say what he saw was basically mind-blowing and had very little to do with Russian, quote, collusion. What do you think he saw? And why do you think it was only at the White House? I'm just asking you, is it possible, just maybe possible, that Obama was briefed on information kept within compartmented facilities in the White House. This is how the system works. This is not X-File stuff. This is how sensitive compartmented information is stored. It's not kept on the open Internet and emailed. It is kept in facilities. You have to go to the facility to see it. Why did he have to go to the White House? And what did he see at the White House that so disturbed him that he gave a press conference right away and said it had very little to do with Russian collusion. Is that what's in that memo? Were they briefing Obama? Were they briefing Obama with information so classified it was only kept at the White House? Or were they classifying it to only keep it at the White House? You get it? Was that information, think about what I'm asking you here, so classified, it could only be kept at the White House? Or was the information classified to keep it at the White House? Remember what I told you in the last hour. Jim Comey acknowledged in March of 2017 an ongoing counterintelligence investigation into the Trump team. And when asked why he didn't notify, according to standing procedures, Congress, when congressional overseers into this, he said, well, the matter was sensitive. That's the whole purpose of congressional notification. The Democrats are now in a panic. They've been in a panic for months, but now they're in a real panic. They attack Nunez with a fake ethics violation. They attack his character. The Democrats know now they will forever be the party of the police state. They will be married to this forever. You will not understand the memo unless you understand this entire show. They now have to reverse engineer a crime to go back and cover their tracks and backtrack for what Nunez, Dan Coats, and Trump appointees are now starting to see and are looking at and are going, holy, mm, what the hell was done in our name in a free constitutional republic? How did they reverse engineer a crime? Folks, the briefings that were happening at the White House with information, information from spy, taken from spy team through unmaskings that should have never happened, from information passed from foreign intelligence to our intelligence to circumvent probable cause restrictions, to circumvent the judicial wall 
that should have stopped people from starting an investigation into a crime that never happened. That information was spread throughout the Obama White House. That information was selectively leaked to media people and contacts up on Capitol Hill. Does the Evelyn Farkas, the Obama Department of Defense Assistant Secretary MSNBC appearance make more sense now? When she went on MSNBC and in a moment of geometrically large stupidity goes on a cable channel and says, yeah, you know, we were concerned about the Trump team's contacts with Russia and we didn't want to tell them uh, how we knew. So we wanted to spread the information up on the hill. <gasps> Why would you say that? What information on the Trump team and their contacts with Russia? How exactly did you know that? How did you know the Russians were, were, were talking to the Trump team? Oh, because you were spying on them and you just admitted to it on MSNBC? And you admitted to leaking it to people not read in into that program? Notice you haven't seen much of Evelyn since. She's been kind of quiet about that, hasn't she? Crazy how that happens. Folks, it's not a conspiracy theory if it actually happens. Now, one quick thing before the break. They've got to take a hostage in this, the Obama team. There's someone they really don't like on the transition team. That man's General Mike Flynn. Mike Flynn was a vocal Trump supporter. They really don't like Mike Flynn. So what happens to Mike Flynn? You know what? I'm going to get to that on the other side of the break. I think history is going to tell the story of General Mike Flynn far differently than you've heard it. But you're going to hear what happened to Mike Flynn right after the break. I'm Dan Bongino. Be right back. Mark Lovin. to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at DBongino on Twitter filling in for the great one. We there yet? Starting to make a little sense? Why I've been tweeting like crazy and covering on my website ferociously for the past three weeks, the biggest scandal in American history. And some of you may be asking at this point, Dan, how do you know all this? You must have wrote all this down like in a, in a book. Well, I'm working on some of that, but... I've done this entire show off seven lines of text and about 50 words. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm just trying to tell you I've been looking into this now for weeks. And I've got a source on this that's pretty, pretty darn good. So I told you the Obama team, they need, they need a pound of flesh. The Obama team's got a few months. Trump's elected now, but Obama's still the president. They better get someone. Because they have to cover up the most ferocious spying scandal in U.S. history. So who becomes a convenient target for them? I got it. Let's go get Mike Flynn. So what do they do? Again, more crazy coincidences, folks. If you've missed the beginning of this show, you better go to the podcast and listen. Because the coincidences are really starting to add up. The Obama team, they don't like Mike Flynn a lot. General's not on their Christmas list. 
But they need a pound of flesh because they have to reverse engineer a crime that this Trump team committed or this collusion thing that's meant to distract from the spying scandal the Obama team's engaged in is never going to fly. They need something, and they need it quick. The setup didn't work. The Trump team never bit. So what do they do? Well, Obama waits. He waits. And he waits for Flynn to take a trip. While Flynn's out on that trip, the Obama team makes some moves in that time period right around there. And they kick the Russians out of a house they have up in New York, knowing what's going to happen. Well, if we kick the Russians out of this property they have, this diplomatic property, of course, the Russians are likely going to reach out to the incoming administration. Again, only a scandal in the eyes of people looking for a scandal. Okay? Remember, if negotiating as a incoming national security advisor, or forget about negotiating, even not negotiating, even conversing with foreign officials is a crime, why isn't John Kerry in jail for just talking to the Palestinians? Telling him, oh, ignore the president. Why isn't he in jail for that? Oh, because he's a Democrat. That's right. Sorry. Forgot about that. So Obama gives these Russians the boot. Probably saying, they're going to call Flynn. Now, this is great. Let's wait till Flynn's overseas, maybe in the Dominican Republic. Oh, he was there? And let's listen in on that phone call, but this is critical. Let's not say we're listening in on the phone call. Let's say we're listening in on the ambassador and, oh, my gosh, what happened? We caught up a, a quote, U.S. person in that call. Oh, well, how did you find out who that U.S. person was? Oh, we just unmasked him. Oh, wait, wait, come again? So you have no probable cause of a crime. You have no probable cause Flynn's acting on behalf of a foreign agent. You have no probable cause of anything. But you magically get to listen in on this phone call with Flynn, knowing they're going to call Flynn because they kicked him out of the house up in New York. And Flynn happens to be overseas in the Dominican Republic and has a conversation about this. The phone call's all recorded. All recorded, but don't worry. They weren't targeting Flynn. Wait, let me, let me, I don't have a camera here. Here's the wink and a nod, folks. Can you hear it? Hey, it's all good. Let's just say we're listening in on the Russian ambassador. As long as we say that, we can unmask Flynn later. When the entire time, the goal is to get a full transcript of the recording of Mike Flynn's conversation, which they're going to use in part two of the Flynn reverse engineering of a crime. Unfortunately, I have to get to that on the other side of this break. I'm Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter. We'll be right back. Mark Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter, filling in for the great one. We're almost there, folks. About to tie this up into a neat little package for you. So Obama spied on Trump. The Obama administration spied on the Trump team, to be more precise. The Obama team realizes after the Trump shock election, they have to cover their tracks. Now they're in the process of taking a pound of flesh. 
They invent a Russian collusion narrative to distract the compliant lapdog suck-up bootlicking media to distract from the real story, which is the largest spying scandal in United States history on the Trump team. But first, they need to take someone out because they need some bona fides behind this nonsense Russian collusion narrative, and they put a bullseye on the back of General Mike Flynn. Flynn travels to the Dominican Republic. Obama conveniently kicks some Russians out of a house up in New York. What happens? The Russian ambassador calls Flynn, but the United States, on behalf of the Obama administration, says, don't worry, we were just listening to the Russian ambassador. Oh, man, he called Mike Flynn. How did that happen? He called a U.S. person who's promptly unmasked by the Obama administration as Mike Flynn. Information starts to leak out there about a crime that happened. Everybody's thinking, what crime? It's the incoming National Security Advisor. He's talking to his Russian counterpart, our largest geopolitical foe in the world outside of China. It's only a nuclear-armed country. It's probably a good idea that they make some kind of contact, maybe say hello before Trump gets in office, you think? But they need a crime. But they don't have a crime. But the Russian collusion narrative won't take unless they get someone and get someone quick. So they have a transcript of this call that they tell you, don't worry, we were just listening to the Russian. And, oh, Mike Flynn just jumped on. Crazy how that happens. Darn. Oh, shucks. The FBI puts in a request then to interview Mike Flynn. They don't tell Flynn what's it about, what, what the conversation is going to be about. Who makes that call over to Flynn's scheduler? Oh, Andy McCabe, the number two at the FBI, who's been intimately involved in the Hillary email investigation, whose wife ran as a Democrat and got nearly $700,000 from a PAC Hillary Clinton raised money for? Oh, that guy arranged the call? Oh, I'm sure he told Flynn's schedule this was a criminal interview, right? Oh, no. Oh, they didn't? Oh, okay. Oh, thank you. So they just say the FBI wants to talk to, they probably said, hey, I want to talk to Mike about a few things. Of course, the general doesn't see any problem with that. He's the incoming national security advisor. He probably talks to the FBI every day. But who shows up at the White House? Fascinating how these coincidences just keep slapping me in the face. Peter Stroke and another agent who, I'm not going to put his name out on the air. He doesn't need that right now. But these two agents show up at the White House to interview Mike Flynn for what he thinks is just a conversation about, I don't know, national security. He's only the national security advisor. But that's not what it's about. It's about this conversation Flynn had with the Russian ambassador, which Flynn clearly sees nothing wrong with because Flynn doesn't even lawyer up. Matter of fact, he doesn't even say to them, hey, guys, you want to come back later because I didn't think that's what this was about? He thinks there's nothing wrong with this at all because there isn't. So he talks to them. Now, at some point, he mentions that he didn't discuss sanctions when he did. Now, this is all done under the guise of a violation of the Logan Act. The Logan Act. The jaywalking of federal crimes. It's not even the jaywalking of federal crimes because the Logan Act, which states that private citizens can't negotiate with foreign entities on behalf of the United States government, has, listen to me, folks, 
never been used in United States history to successfully prosecute someone, ever. Jaywalking has. People have actually been issued tickets for jaywalking, but not the Logan Act. So in 200 years, nobody, not Dennis Rodman, who went over to North Korea, not John Kerry, who's seemingly negotiating with the Palestinians right now behind Trump's back, nobody's been prosecuted for this, but Mike Flynn's going to be the first. So they go over and they talk to him. And he makes a statement that doesn't comport directly with the transcript they have because they tapped a call Mike Flynn was on. So Mike Flynn is prosecuted then for false statements to the FBI after, by the way, the FBI basically goes after his family and threatens to bankrupt him. Keep in mind, the guy's a decorated military officer with a, with a storied history of service to the United States. But let's not let that get in the way of the Obama administration needing a scalp. And who sets this interview up? Our buddy Andy McCabe. Oh, whose wife, just a coincidence, folks. Nothing to see here. By the way, received $700,000 for a PAC that Hillary Clinton had raised money for through Terry McAuliffe, the Democrat governor of Virginia and known Clinton consigliere. Nothing to see there. It is all a coincidence. Fascinating what happens next. Sally Yates, the number two at the Justice Department, who, by the way, knows McCabe very well. Another just coincidence. Of course, they work together, but they know each other very, very well. Yates pops in and decides she's going to have a conversation with Trump because she's still working. She hasn't resigned yet. Matter of fact, she never resigns because Trump fires her because she refuses to enforce the travel ban. By the way, which the lead bulldog on the special prosecutor case, Andy Weissman, working for Mueller, sends her an email congratulating for her for defying Trump. Folks, this is insane. This all actually happened. It's not an X-Files conspiracy theory if it actually happened. He sends her an email. He's now the bulldog on the special counsel case going after Trump. Sally Yates walks in and says, Mr. President, we got a problem. Your national security advisor may be guilty of the Logan Act. I am absolutely sure everybody in the room is looking around going, what the hell is the Logan Act? The Logan Act? What is that? Because nobody's ever heard of the Logan Act. No, we've got them now. Negotiating on behalf of a private citizen with a foreign government. Uh, Wait, come again? So you're investigating a decorated U.S. military officer, former head of the DIA and the incoming national security advisor, for the jaywalking of federal crimes? Folks, they needed a scalp. And they got one. They got one, all right. Now, folks, what are they covering? What are they covering up? And by the way, I'll say this again. I'm not trying to be uh, promote stuff to you. I'm just... These articles, all of these articles are on my website, listed in news picks. You can't miss them. They're, they're, they're listed out by day, and I put a summary of what the, You want all of this in article form, read them all yourself. It's my last name, Bongino.com. Read all the articles for yourself. They're not, I didn't write them. They're other people's articles. I even have CNN stuff up there, them reporting on this stuff, and then counter-reporting their own reporting later. Why is all this necessary? Here's the coup de grace. All of this is necessary because the Obama administration need dirt on Trump. Why did they need dirt on Trump? 
Folks, do you really believe those 30,000 Hillary Clinton emails that are missing are actually missing? Now, I will put my professional and personal credibility on the line to you right now that those 30,000 emails, they ain't missing. Those are the keys to the kingdom. We already know... Again, this is a fact. This is not open for interpretation. We already know Hillary Clinton on her private email account was emailing Barack Obama. Why do we know that? Because Cheryl Mills, in an email we already have, has said as much. We know she was emailing Barack Obama on an email account that did not read state.gov, which means it was a personal unsecured email account. She was emailing the President of the United States. Let me just ask you a question. You think it's a coincidence that 30,000 of those emails are missing, that just maybe one of those emails could be one of those emails we already know exists to Barack Obama? Let me tell you what else is going on at this time. The DNC is allegedly hacked. It was never hacked. That's a whole other story. The DNC, it's not enough to take a pound of flesh out of Flynn on the jaywalking of federal crimes, okay? The Logan Act. That's not enough. And by the way, that was leaked to the Hill in advance. Byron York is, for the Washington Examiner, has done tremendous work. Just Google Byron York, the, Byron York, the Logan Act, Sally Yates. These articles are up on my website, too. His work has been amazing on this, how the Logan Act was already being set up with people in Congress to pass to the media. We're going to get him on the Logan Act, the jaywalking of federal crimes. But that wasn't enough. The DNC email starts showing up in public files earlier on during the campaign. The Democrats need a narrative to cover up for their incompetence. How convenient of a narrative if they can pin that on the Russians, and then pin Trump to the Russians through, quote, collusion. Wouldn't that be great? Right around that time, some emails start disappearing, but some payments don't. Right around that time, Obama for America, the campaign arm, which is now organizing for America again, because Obama's campaign team doesn't need to campaign again. He can't run again. But Hillary can Organizing for America makes a $900,000 payment to a law firm, Perkins Coie. Gosh, where does that name, where, that sounds familiar, Perkins Coie, what were they involved in? Well, just coincidentally, Perkins Coie is the very same law firm, if you were listening earlier in the show, that also made the, the payments on behalf of the DNC and Hillary Clinton to Fusion GPS to go gin up fake intelligence on Donald Trump to be given back to the FBI to spy on Donald Trump. Wow, just a coincidence, I'm sure. Now, doubling down on what? Perkins Coie reappears again. Because when the DNC is allegedly hacked, you might say to yourself, of course it was hacked. The media has reported this. Trust nothing the media tells you. The FBI never saw that DNC system. They were not invited in by the DNC to review the air quotes hack. They weren't hacked. Who comes in to review the system? A private company called 
CrowdStrike. Who pays that private company to come in and review the DNC servers that were allegedly hacked by the Russians that they're later going to attach to Donald Trump, by the way? The Democrats, that is. Oh, Perkins Cooey. How does that happen? That's just crazy. Wow. Another one of those just crazy coincidences. Folks, don't worry, liberals listening. None of this actually happened. Dan Bongino's talking to Mark's 10 million whatever listeners, and I'm making it all up. Are you crazy? I just laid out to you over the course of two hours, 47 minutes, and 20.8 seconds. The biggest scandal in American history. If the only response you have coming back is all of this was chance, accidental, and coincidence, you meet the very definition of an imbecile. You wait. I'm going to leave you with these three questions, and then we'll come back and tie up the show. These are the three questions that remain to be answered. One, what do those Obama emails to Hillary Clinton that allegedly disappeared say? Were they on a private Obama account? Like Loretta Lynch, the attorney general at the time, had a private account under the nom de plume, Elizabeth Carlisle? What was Obama's name? Did he have one? What was it, John Smith, Joey Bag of Donuts? What was his email account? What do those emails say? Any mention of Perkins Coie in there and some payments at all? Maybe. Let me ask you question number two. Who swore to the memo? Who went in front of the FISA court? I think I know who it is. I'm not willing to put it out on the radio, though. Who swore to that memo that the dossier was true? And what else was that agent involved in? Maybe other cases that are going to go down, too? One final thing. Who verified the asset? Christopher Steele was an intelligence asset, working for Fusion GPS. Who verified him? There's paperwork on that, I'm sure, right? There's a verification unit and a process. Was John Brennan involved in that at all? Remember those three questions. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at DBongino on Twitter. Hey, for a recap of a lot of what we talked about tonight, obviously you can go back and listen. Mark's show is on podcast as well, and you can listen at Mark Levin Show. But again, for the articles, if you go to my website, Bongino.com, all of the articles that lay this out, what I discussed tonight are there. You can read them yourself. Uh, I didn't make any of this up, folks. Where I speculated, I told you as such. But I think the connection at this point is clear. And I want to leave you with a final thought on this. The Obama administration went through this entire spying operation to dirty up the Trump team because there was a lot to hide, folks. It's not, you know, any, you can always pick out what is a genuine conspiracy theory and nonsense when it's all tied up and really convenient in the end. You're not going to get that convenient of an answer. They had a lot to hide. There was the dealings in Uranium One. There was the dealings in the Iran deal, the capitulations that were made in the global scale, the use of foreign intelligence and intelligence, uh, the misuse of foreign intelligence, the the use of foreign intelligence assets to circumvent U.S. laws. There was a lot to hide. Before the break, I told you about missing emails between him and Hillary. What did they discuss? Why was there a transfer of money? 
All of this had to go away. The only way to make this go away after the Trump team won was to dirty up the Trump team enough to develop a political capital bank account big enough to get Trump out of office by impeachment. They knew they had some rhino buddies, and they knew if this collusion narrative would stick, and they took their pound of flesh and flint. They made up a bunch of Logan Act violations. They hired their chosen guy in Bob Mueller to go and get Trump. They knew they can find a criminal if they needed to. We all ripped the mattress tag off once, folks. Mueller was their guy. They knew Mueller was going to be the way to make this all go away. But, folks, this house of cards is collapsing because they left a paper trail they cannot escape. That paper trail is highly likely is about to be exposed in this memo, which hopefully we'll see tomorrow. When you see this memo tomorrow, I want you to go back and listen to the show again. Your eggs will be scrambled, your mind will be open, and it'll make sense now why we have a Bill of Rights. Thanks for listening. See you all soon.